do what you say you're going to do. Show up on time. Mm. Return phone calls and emails in a timely fashion. And if you don't know the answer, don't make it up. Admit you don't know the answer, but you know the person who does and get Mm. back to them as quickly as possible. Welcome to the Insurance Producers Podcast, where we bring you the top personalized producers, insurance agents, and industry partners, giving you at least three takeaways to 10x your production and build your multi-million dollar revenue books. So sit back, relax, and become inspired by the success stories and strategies of the world's top insurance minds. Let's roll. All right. Hey, hey everybody. Welcome to another episode of Insurance Producers Podcast. Man, I'm extremely excited today. Um, A friend of mine, David Carruthers, is on today. David, what's happening, man? Not much. What's cooking? Oh, man. Just uh, cold over here, man. Nebraska, three degrees I told you about this morning. And you got a sweatshirt on in Florida, man. I'm pissed. I do have a sweatshirt on in Florida. You know, it was in the high 40s, low 50s, and it's going to continue to drop this week, which is, it's actually probably about normal for this time of year. We It's about time for us to get our first real cold snap. We haven't had one yet. Well, cold snap. What do you mean? Like it's going to be 40 degrees, David, or yeah. what? Well, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of people think that, um, but in Tampa, where I live, we'll get to freezing or below probably 10, 10 or 12 days a year. Okay. No, it's not sustained, but I mean, still, it causes an issue, actually, because a lot of people don't realize this, but where we live, the water table is very, very shallow. And so typically Mm -hmm. when we get that extremely cold weather, it's usually in um, January. And the issue that it causes is that's at the end of strawberry season. And where I live, I'm 15 Mm -hmm. minutes from the North America, you know, the straw, they call themselves the strawberry capital of the world, but plant city, Florida is certainly one of the biggest producers, if not the biggest. And so when you have the freezing weather come in, they run their irrigation 24 hours a day because they put a clear coat of ice on top of the berry plants. And that actually saves them from getting frostbitten. Well, the issue that that it creates is it depletes the water table Mm. and we start getting sinkholes that come out of nowhere. So 15 years ago, I'm laying in bed at like 530 in the morning, flick on the news and over on I-4, they had done a controlled burn. And so it was a little bit foggy, but we had had a freeze and a sinkhole opened up right in the middle of the interstate. And I woke up, sat straight up in bed because on the top of a 40 car pile up in this hole was a oh, box no. tent for my largest client. So that's oh, how I no. found out about the claim. <laughs> that's how you know you're an insurance agent when you're worried about that kind of stuff oh it's Um, crazy that's funny well hey david man truly appreciate you being on for people that don't know david you probably live in a different world man he's one of our uh one of our industry um i don't even want to call it an influencer by any means but he's one of the good dudes man in our industry that spreads a lot of positivity uh, just a good person to be around man um i i i want to i honestly just want to start with with you, your agency, just really quick, 30 seconds. How are things going, man, in this tough market? And then we'll dive into other other topics. So, um, Things are good, man. Lots of opportunity right now. Everybody's shopping. So if you have the right message, you can really bring on a lot of new business. We're hyper-focused. Um, we do not have 
a bunch of property related accounts. So we're dodging that bullet. We're very, very casualty heavy. And so because of that, we've really not been impacted horribly by the, the things that are going on in the marketplace at this point, only in a positive way. That's awesome. I'm curious, was that for the producer listening, was that planned that way or is it just kind of how, how did you get into just casualty, I guess? Well, so it's not that we're just casualty. We're casualty heavy in, in that we're leading with workers comp much of the time and specifically okay. accounts that have high experience mods. So, you know, when we're dealing with residential service contractors, they if you look at how the how the uh, insurance programs laid out, really, aside from some inland marine and the excess and surplus lines coverage on a crappy metal building that most mm. of them are in. There's the, the property is a foregone conclusion. We focus mm-hmm. on cleaning up total cost risk for the GL piece, the workers' comp piece, and the auto, and sort of basically consider the property to be a pass through. But the thing that I've seen is the people who are in admitted property programs right now are not getting hurt too bad. Like I've got an account that's got about a hundred million dollar TIV property mm. schedule and I just talked to the underwriter and they're going to see 6% this year. Mm. Organically across the board most people I talk to are seeing at least a 25% lift on their mm-hmm. book of business as a function of rate. And so here I'm seeing people who are in admitted already and, and with a good carrier like a Chubb for example, they're not getting hurt too bad. People that were already in excess and surplus lines are getting hammered. They're getting hammered at renewal, but they were there because of the construction of the building to begin with. When things tighten up, they're not going to loosen for people with bad construction. And then the people who are trying to get, like go buy a metal building, for example, mm-hmm. they, there's just not even anybody giving wind on metal in Florida right now. Makes complete sense. Makes complete sense. David, for some people that don't know, what's the team structure look like for you? Are you still in production and in maybe... Uh, some of the states that you guys are in as well? So we are Florida Risk Partners and Florida Risk Partners only. So Perfect. I, I try and stay in the five counties around Tampa because we have so much opportunity here. There's mm-hmm. really no reason to um, to expand much past that. As far as organizational structure, um, I actually have the best job in the world now because I get more satisfaction out of building producers and watching mm-hmm. other people win and knowing that I had a hand in helping them do that mm-hmm. than me going out and winning myself. So, you know, I've made the transition from producer to principal um, and did that seven years ago when I launched, but never really completely gave up production. And if I'm being honest, I haven't 100% given up production today, but it's literally only things that come in as a referral and I'm cherry picking what I want to work. Otherwise, I can hand it off to somebody else on the team and let them learn while I teach them. And then everybody wins. We get a new account as the agency. They get a new account for their book of business. And I get the satisfaction of just knowing I helped somebody. And, And truthfully, I think that the best agents are that way. Not that I would classify mm-hmm. myself that way, but if you think about it, the people who are the absolute best insurance agents, it doesn't matter if it's personal lines, commercial lines, whatever, mm-hmm. they, they're helpers and they're educators first. Mm-hmm. They don't, and if you do those two things really, really well, you don't have to worry about being a great salesperson mm-hmm. because you're going to sell yourself. 100%. I love that. I love that a lot, actually. So same thing with you, man. I've been out of production for three years and I, 
at least you're doing it as much as you can, man. I that's the one thing I miss the most. I was just talking to CJ um, over in Tennessee, and he goes, "I'm one of the one people that have 16 employees, but I'm still a producer because I just miss it so much." You know, it's tough, man. I mean, I don't know that I'll ever completely put put it down because I yeah. I still enjoy it. I enjoy meeting new people, learning new industries, solving new problems. So, you know, I'm going to have to scratch that itch for the foreseeable future. I'm just not doing it at the level that I always did. I don't think I would be a good principal if mm. I had to focus 100% on that because I'd always have one eye on what's going on. So I'd rather just plan my plan myself yeah. around knowing a certain portion of what I do is going to be production and a certain part is going to be agency ops. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I think you are going to be one of our probably most liked person on the podcast because this is a pro- insurance producers podcast and you have something for the producers a program do you mind david just really quick sharing a little bit about it and i don't want to ask you a couple of questions specifically about that coming up here uh later sure, this yeah. year so a lot of people in the industry i flew under the radar man for a long time um you know the agency did well i did pretty well as a producer but not a lot of people knew who I was because I just I didn't make a conscious effort to put myself out there. Um, I know that's probably hard to believe for as much as you see me post and stuff now. But you know, back in 2020, right before COVID, I spoke at Innovation when it was out in San Diego, and that was the last big innovation. I mean, we had like mm-hmm. probably there were twelve or thirteen hundred people there, and we was wow. a massive conference. And I I had a couple hundred people come in and listen to my breakout session on how to recruit producers from outside the insurance industry. And when I was done talking, I probably had 40, 50 agency principals come up to me and say, David, you know, do you work with agencies? Do you work with producers? Can you coach? Can you consult? And my answer was unequivocally, no, I, I don't. I have my own agency to run and, you know, I'm not interested in doing any of that. And then you know, you're an entrepreneurial dude. You got your hands in a few things too. I jumped on the plane to fly five hours home and that's a dangerous place for me to be because <laughs> my mouth, my, my mind's running a million miles an hour the whole way. And I'm thinking, you know, if I'm going to scale Florida risk, I really need to get digital and there's no way I'm going to be able to bring in two, three, four producers at a pop if I have to be one-on-one with each one of them. So I ought to go ahead and make a learning management system that I can run producers through so they can learn the basics of our sales process. And then I'm like, well, let's see, you know, I had enough people ask me, let's just create this thing, throw it out there and see what happens. And so that's really where Killing Commercial came from. And it's crazy because I launched it just off of a single post on my personal Facebook page. (laughs) I didn't even have a minimum viable product yet. I I literally Mm -hmm. was an idea in my head. And within the first 48 hours, 25 agencies had already signed up and paid the enrollment fee to get in. And then I had to get busy in a hurry. And so what has transpired since then has just been absolutely incredible. And I take zero credit for it, man. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I put some of the right people together. But as I was going through and creating the video learning management system um, to teach the sales process, I'm thinking, and we also provide marketing collateral to back that stuff up. I'm thinking to myself, it would be really, really cool if we had a social component to this. But mm-hmm. I'm not somebody who wants to cast my lot on LinkedIn or Facebook because those platforms are owned by somebody else. At any day, they could turn into a premium service or they could go away and I'm toast. I don't have mm-hmm. anything. So I built it 
um, that built everything on our own domain, and we actually have our own proprietary social network. So when our our group, which is now about 260 agencies and 650 agents across the country, wow, you know that that group interacts. We're not interacting in the same mm-hmm. public forums that a lot of the other insurance groups are on. We're we're operating in our own mobile app or in our own social network online, mm-hmm. and that has created an incredible bond with people all across the country that never would have met each other mm-hmm. if they wouldn't have both been in the same ecosystem. Man, I looked at some of the some of the videos and some of the pictures from this last one that you had. And I literally had FOMO. I'm like, man, that <laughs> sounds like that sounds like so much fun because you go to a lot of conferences, man, nothing against conferences, but a lot of it is like a lot of boring stuff. You gotta get stuff out of it to bring back. But like this actually looked like a lot of fun. So I wanna dig deeper into that. Was that, I know you're, talk, you're going to talk about spouse because you have something more. I really want to dig in deep on, on that. Like, why did that come about? What is that? And like, what's the purpose of it, uh, including other people's spouse just specifically? Yeah. So there's a couple things, you know, when you're operating in a virtual environment, it, it can only go so far, right? And we saw this happen when Michael and Taylor took insurance soup last year and they did mm-hmm. soup live for the first time. That's the first time those people in a Facebook group of 50 some thousand people had ever even mm-hmm. met in person in many cases. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that we had to do something to get people together in person. Number one, mm-hmm. that, that's really the secret sauce in what's helped our community grow. The other thing that's important to note is I don't take sponsorships from anybody for anything that has to do with my podcast or killing commercial. Mm. The only time I involve any kind of a sponsorship is for the event that we have for the killing commercial community in Key West every year, producers in paradise. And so everybody that hits me up wanting to to sponsor the podcast or whatever else, I, I keep their information. And when it's time, I reach back out to them. And so I wanted there's a very, very specific reason that the event's in Key West and it always will be. And Key West is not an easy place to get to. And I knew that if I had people that bought plane tickets and hotel rooms to come, that I was already going to be hitting about the ceiling of what somebody would be willing to spend. So the event is actually entirely free for all of my members. 100% of what we do is covered by sponsorship money at that point. The only time I will take money from a sponsor is if it benefits the community as a whole, not Mm. just me. And so we do all kinds of cool stuff because we want to make sure that those relationships continue to blossom. And so one of the requirements that I have is I want the spouse or significant other of everybody there to Mm. be present. And it doesn't matter if you're a female agency principal. We got... We got men like Chad Bartley and, and several others that hang with, you know, all of the wives and they have their own little stuff that they do. They have their own text mm-hmm. threads that they communicate with all the time now. But they're building that relationship because mm-hmm. I need the people who are on the other side of the mountain to be able to put their arm around that spouse that's just starting the journey and say, look, it is going to be rough, mm-hmm. but it's going to be OK. And here are the things you can expect and you can lean on me. You can call me anytime you want. That's a really powerful thing to have, man, because not Mm -hmm. a lot of people get that. You know, that's something that has to be intentional. But then it's also about what we do when we're there. Right. So a lot of conferences are all day 
all day long. And then maybe you go grab some drinks after and people break up, go to dinner. Mm -hmm. And if you're lucky, you'll run into the people you want. That's not how I set it up. I set it up specifically for that engagement because I wanted people to get the time in the hallway in the lobby that they crave so much when mm -hmm. they go to a conference. And so we only meet formally for education four hours a day. I mean, it is pretty intense for that four hours. Mm -hmm. But when we're done, everybody groups together and they're building those relationships mm -hmm. and they're getting their questions answered. They're helping each other. And so the other thing that's really cool about it is, you know, Sunday's the play day. I'm a big guy about work hard, play hard, man. I do yeah. it with my family. I do it in, in, you know, in my career. And so last year we chartered center, uh, 10 center console fishing boats and took 10 boats offshore with four or five agents in each boat to go yeah, fishing. Awesome. And then we had an eco tour for snorkeling and paddle boarding and sandbar for the, the people who didn't want to go offshore. And then on Sunday evening, when the fishing boats come back in, after all the fish has been cleaned, we gather together for our final dinner where they prepare the fish that we caught that day and they serve that to us for dinner. And I get up and give my ceremonial speech about how many of you came into this weekend. You weren't sure that you had the skill set. You weren't sure if you were going to make it just like you went to the dock this morning and got on a boat, maybe never having fished offshore, but you had a great guide. You had a great coach to show you what you needed to do, the techniques you needed to use, how you needed to put your bait on and all of those things. And as a result, we're now sitting here eating mm -hmm. what we caught today, which is no different than you being able to go out and do the same things, apply the same principles in your insurance career to be able to feed your family man that's powerful that's powerful i how many people were in the pool i saw a picture <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> i'm gonna tell you what's nuts is i told so we go to a place called the saint hotel it's a boutique marriott property right there uh, uh 417 eaton street in key west um and it only has 36 rooms in it there were way more than 36 rooms worth of people. And so I had gone to them last year and I was like, look, I'd really like to block the whole hotel. I feel like we could sell it out relatively quickly. And they said, we don't do room blocks. Well, when they saw all the people pouring in last year, the manager came to me the first day and he's like, hey, man, we want you to block the whole hotel next year because we, we just honestly didn't believe. So uh, we set it up uh, that we could have the whole place in that room block filled up in under 48 hours. Oh, that's awesome, man. I, I, I love it, man. I really do. Way more people than we're supposed to be in the pool, though. <laughs> I know. That's all I was like, man, that sounds like so much fun. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, man. Work hard, play hard mentality, man. And specifically in our industry, man, because every day you wake up, it's a very tough industry, man, especially right now, especially in your first. I'm in my four. I just finished four years. You know, and it's extremely tough in that first four to five years. And I would imagine you would you would agree with me on that. What are some things that like producers can do, whether it's commercial or or on the personal line side? What are some things they can do, man, to make it a little bit more fun that first the first three to five years, I would say? Well, I think, you know, if you're gonna be an outside producer, specifically in commercial, um, you you have to determine what it is you're passionate about, what mm -hmm. you like. 
right? If you're into cars and motorsports and things like that, go call on garages, body shops, and and modification shops. You know, whatever whatever floats your boat, do that because if it if you're passionate about it, it can hold your attention, and you're not going to be as likely to deviate from the course you should be on. So, I think that part of it's number one. Number two, find some find some people to run with. Mm. They don't have to work with you, man. I, I met a lot of people early in my career because I'm I'm just I'm one of these people that I need to know as much as I can about something. Mm. It's not that I get reluctant call reluctance or anything if I don't know a hundred percent, but when I made the decision to get into the insurance industry. I was all in and I knew there was only so much I was going to be able to learn that experience wasn't going to give mm-hmm. me. So I immediately went after getting my CIC designation. And to this day, some of my best friends in the industry are the guys and ladies that I sat with in that first CIC Institute almost 20 years ago, mm-hmm. where we just built good friendships and kept in touch. And as we grew in our careers, you know, we had handshake agreements. We weren't going to compete against each other because we mm-hmm. knew the other one did their job right and everything. So, I would say don't be so don't be so worried about who your competition is because most of the time it's yourself. Mm. Most people out there that are reasonable that are going to be running in the same circles as you are are people you want to row in the boat with, man. Mm. Learn from them, find out what they're doing, share some of the things you're doing. You don't have to give them the entire list of ingredients to the recipe, but you can at least give them the majority of it. And it makes it more fun because then when you go to the different, you know, big eye events and whatever else, you ha- you know who these people are and it's, there's no animosity mm-hmm. there. I think, you know, I grew up where if if they're not in your firm, then you're, they're your enemy right out of the box, right? You automatically think these people are, you know, we're going to compete against them. Don't tell them anything. Don't go near them, whatever. Screw that. You can get anything mm-hmm. you need off the internet at this point, man. So you mm-hmm. might, as well, you might yeah. as well build relationships and have friends to, to roll with along the way. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think I think what you're doing with with doing commercial, man. I think having 260 agents, 600 different agencies, 600 different people, you pretty much build a community of like people can go easily ask those 600 people because you're almost like a fraternity together. Ton of different groups out there. So certainly, I know you're not you're not picking on them, and neither am I. But when I'm in there and I read things, sometimes. You know, somebody will ask a question and, and you can tell they're being vulnerable. There are a couple things. Number one, you can tell they're being vulnerable by asking it. Probably weren't 100% comfortable typing it out to begin with. And you get everything from long, drawn out responses to people biting their head off, like asking them if they're stupid or whatever else. Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely crazy to think mm-hmm. grown adults can act like that on the internet. But mm-hmm. the other thing is, even if it's advice, you don't have any idea the qu- the quality or credibility of the person giving that advice. I mm-hmm. could go in and ask a question about staffing my agency and I could realize the best and most thorough answer came from a Medicare guy that has nothing in common with how my yeah. agency set up and it's yeah. not a good answer for me. And so you're right. That's one of the things that's so important. You need to make sure you know who it is that you're rolling with because you don't, it's not that you can't have friends that are doing different things, but when it comes down to seeking advice and getting feedback and all of that, nobody's going to know the struggle and the grind like the people that are doing the exact same thing you are. And that, that is an awesome benefit of the community is everybody is literally doing the exact same thing. Yeah. No. And then, and it's a different beast, man. Like, 
to be in the commercial versus the personalized. We're strictly personalized. You're strictly commercial, right? 95, 95, 5. Dude, it's a different world. So like you don't want to hear from a personalized agent giving you commercial advice because you're like, dude, like you you don't even understand. Yeah, no more stuff. than you want me coming in telling you what to do in person. Trust me, you don't want me yeah. telling you what to do in personalized. Hundred percent. Same here. Same here. We just we just don't do it, man. We just the best. So my question to you is you deal with a lot of producers, you hang out with a lot of producers, agency owners. What are some mistakes maybe that some younger producers or just producers make in general? And then what do some of the second question to that is, what do some of the high performers do? So it's maybe basically the opposite of the mistakes, I guess. I guess what are two or three different traits for each one of those people? Here's the four things that I tell every single person that comes into Killing Commercial, comes into my agency. Ready? These are going to be earth shattering and groundbreaking. (laughs) Do what you say you're going to do. Show up on time. Return phone calls and emails in a timely fashion. And if you don't know the answer, don't make it up. Admit you don't know the answer, but you know the person who does and get Mm -hmm. back to them as quickly as possible. You get one of those in a meeting. If you start getting past, you know, one or two of those, then all of a sudden you're not credible anymore. So in any business, those Mm -hmm. four things put you ahead of the lion's share of your competition because they're not executing on the basics. But the other thing that I see people having an issue with, specifically new producers, is number one, they don't start. They have call reluctance. They have cold call. They don't want to do cold call marketing drops because they're so concerned that they don't know everything. They want to know every ounce and every nuance. Mm. You don't need to know a thing about insurance to have a conversation with somebody. Don't have the conversation about insurance. When my kids were younger and asked me what I did for a living, my answer is simple. I get paid to make friends. That's how I think about it. If I can go make friends at some point, the opportunity is going to present itself. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I see them doing is I see them not pushing through and they stop too early. The number Mm -hmm. of producers that stop right before the flywheel catches and everything happens for them the way it should, they stop right before and it blows my mind how much opportunity they missed. But, you know, that's natural selection, man. They're going to... They're going to call the herd of the people that aren't willing to push through and do the things. It's not like what we do is rocket science or Mm -hmm. brain surgery. Certainly, you know, putting a coverage program together has its has its merits of being difficult work. You got to understand and know what you're doing. But the mechanics of what we have to do to Mm -hmm. get deals done. That's that's not hard work. That just needs somebody who's willing to get up and be consistent every single day. And when everybody else is ready to stop, you keep going. Love it. Man, to be honest with you, this is an industry that like, dude, I'm not a smart kid whatsoever. So I had to tell people, I'm like, it's dude, you talk to people. Like you literally said, like you make friends and you get people to trust you. You could do those two things. Like it's a trust relationship business, man. And a lot of people just, you're right, man. Just kind of, we have some guys here as well. It's been two months. I'm like, you just pick up the phone and start calling. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, that's the only way to learn in my opinion. Is that what differentiates, if you would just pinpoint like maybe one thing for producers, David, what differentiates of like, because I see this and maybe I'm wrong and you probably are better at this than me. There's a, there is your, there's your average insurance agents and there's producers. There's so many of them. And then there is ones that are like high achievers, right? What would you say? Are those four things the same thing that differentiates your like there's 90% of agents, and then there's your 5% that are just completely at a different level year after year after year. What would you say the differences between those two? 
Um, there's really two things. Number one, they're extremely focused. They know exactly what they're going to go after. And anything that is not inside of that, that box, they're not going to mess with mm. it. There's too many people out there that are trying to be all things to all people. And you cannot do that. Mm. You've got to figure out where you're going to play and stay in your lane. That's the only way you're going to be viewed as an expert in the marketplace is to continuously get reps going after the same mm. types of business that, that you decide you want to go after when you do your business plan. And the second thing is the absolute most successful producers that I know, know their hourly rate. They know hundred percent what they're worth and they're not going to work on anything at all that doesn't pay them what that hourly rate is. Now you're going to hear everybody out there talk about, mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, you can write small business and it's going to grow into big business. or you're going to do this or you're going to do that. Guess what? If you're a producer that's not validated and you have validation pressure on you, Going after small accounts just because they'll talk to you, hoping that they grow fast enough to meet your validation is a train wreck. That's mm -hmm. not what you should be doing. Figure out how much you're willing to work for per hour. Figure out how much time you're spending on your accounts. And when you mm -hmm. close one, divide the revenue by the number of hours you spend on it. Mm -hmm. and it'll tell you if you hit your number or not. And then adjust as you go. But you know, one mm -hmm. of the most successful producers I ever heard talk was at a, um, in a CIC uh, module that I went to, he had 25 accounts that were at least a hundred thousand in revenue each. Wow. He never quit prospecting. And every time he found one that was bigger than the lowest one on his list, he'd chop the lowest one off. He'd give it to a newer producer to work with them and help them learn and split commissions with them. And he would add the other one to his book, but he would never have more than 25 accounts. Right. And it was a multi-million dollar book of business. You have to be extremely focused to do that. And I think that, it, that again, because of production pressure, and I look, I'm going to say something producers are going to love, agency principals are going to hate when I say this, and that's fine. Send your hate mail to me, not Cyrus. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I, I think that from a commercial perspective, I can't necessarily speak to what you guys do. But from a commercial perspective, I think agency principals many times, and, and look, the size of Killing Commercial is what proves this to me. So somebody have a really hard time winning this argument. But mm. agency principals don't know how to manage producers the right way. They manage results. They don't manage behaviors. Mm -hmm. And if you understand the behaviors somebody has to portray to be successful in the industry and you manage that, the results are always going to happen. But too many times you've got agency principals who are waiting till the quarter or six months or the end of the year to do a review and say, hey, what happened? You didn't hit your numbers. When in reality, every week in sales meeting, you can know if somebody hit their, their marketing drops, their phone calls and all of that. I don't need to go in and listen to all of that stuff unless somebody's struggling to get something pushed to the next stage in the sales pipeline. But me just knowing that they're out doing the activities and hitting the numbers when I log into the CRM gives me all the peace of mind that I need that it's going to be okay and they're going to end up writing business. Mm. Because you have to be patient when you're in the middle market, man. It's not the same as what you guys deal with in personal lives. Mm -hmm. You're getting a, a lot of quick hits. Somebody's buying a house. Somebody's buying a car. Somebody just got their renewal. They're upset and they want you to reshop it for them or whatever else. But you really have a very short sales cycle, whereas we're looking at mm. 12, 18, 24 months. So you have to be mature enough mentally to know my pipeline's full. It's full of accounts that when they hit, it's going to be perfect. And then have that communication with the agency principal and leadership so they can see 
what you're dealing with and making sure that you've got your notes in your CRM and everything else to where at any given time, there's no question that it's going to land and you're going to be successful, but you got to do yourself the favor and make sure you're sticking to your guns and staying in your lane. Man, I love that. I love that. One one of the things that I can relate with your end as far as like the bigger accounts for our end, our clients are actually real estate agent teams, real estate teams, mortgage officers. Our clients are not the normal clients that call us for home and auto because I know I can get 30 deals from a mortgage lender a year versus just one or two client referrals from a client. So we, the way we think of it is almost we're trying to figure out how to get like for you guys, you're like, hey, man, I want that 100000 revenue account, right? Because that's kind of your niche and that's what you want to find. So same thing. We're, we have tried to figure out it. We want to do all these little ones, but how do we get 30 little ones from the same person versus going door by door and insuring all these homes? So I love that. I love that philosophy. I, I say the same thing about commercial all the time, man. I don't ever want to make 10 phone calls to get one appointment. I want to make one phone call and get 10 appointments. Love that, man. Love that. Well, David, I... Uh, Truly appreciate you, man, being on. There's so many different nuggets, man. We're gonna have to make a lot of clips out of this and get it out, get it out to to everybody. Um, you're one of the pioneers, man. Certainly appreciate you. Um, I do want to ask you one more question before you go. Sure. I know you're pretty good. I mean, you're one of the one of the good family man, man. And family's pretty important to me. Family's pretty important to you. And how do you juggle uh, the family life and then obviously the businesses and everything that you've got going on? Um, I do want to, I don't want to end on quit juggling and start scheduling. I mean, it's really that simple, right? So, um, everything that I do goes on my calendar, even if it's going to breakfast with my middle son every Wednesday morning before school or my daughter's gymnastics that she wants me to take her to in the evenings or date night with my wife or whatever Mm -hmm. else, every ounce of it gets a place on my calendar because, I literally am like Ron Burgundy in Anchorman when it comes to my calendar. What it says is what I do. And so I, you know, I heard a preacher one time talk about uh, in a sermon, talk about you can learn what you need to know about somebody by looking at their checkbook and their calendar. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've sort of tried to take that to heart as much as I possibly can. And so for me, that's it. I schedule that personal time. The other thing is commit to it, man. You're going to, the insurance industry will always give you a reason Mm -hmm. not to give time to your family. Mm -hmm. You have to draw the line somewhere because while I tell you, you need to understand your hourly rate in your occupation, your hourly rate with your family is priceless and your kids are going to remember that stuff. The reason I know that is because when Grace and my oldest son came to me about wanting to come work in the agency, I asked him why. I said, what do you want to do, man? Why, why is it that you want to come do this? I've never heard you say it before. And he said, because <clears throat> you were always at ball practice when I needed a coach. You were there to coach. You know, you're on, we take family vacations. You know, you're just, you're always there. And I want to be mm-hmm. able to build a family and have a life like that. And you know what? That validates my life more than anything else. Because if he would have told me money, he would not, he would not have come to the agency. Wow. Man, you can just tell David's uh, face changing and being a little bit more emotional talking about that, man. So, so, so important, man. The divorce rate is extremely high in our industry, man. Uh, Spend time with the ones that matter because money will always come. So, David, I appreciate you, man. Um, Last question before we go. What is one thing you do every day where you lay a night in your bed, you hit your pillow, and you're like, I won my day if this was one thing? It constantly changes. Okay. So, 
I will tell you that that one thing right now, it's funny you even asked this. People will probably get a kick out of it. Um, I bought the lifetime subscription to Babbel on Black Friday. <laughs> and so my new goal is to learn a new language every year. So every night I lay, I, I sit for the last 50, like I'm doing, I, I, I can speak conversational Spanish to a certain degree already. Uh-huh. But I wanted to get Spanish firmed up first because that's low-hanging fruit. So I put myself on a six-month track for that, which means 15 minutes every single night. I just go through and do my lessons and everything, and I've nailed that. Like I've, I've even though Black Friday was just Friday, I've done it every night, and I can tell you it's going to be a habit for me because it's something that I want to be able to do. David, I appreciate you, man. This won't be your last time on this podcast, man. We would love to have you again. I certainly appreciate your time. And uh, to everybody listening, if David, for them to maybe reach out to you for Killing Commercial, how can they reach you? What's the best point of contact? I would say LinkedIn is good. I try and put a lot of stuff up on LinkedIn and keep keep relevant content up there. A lot of producer-facing content uh, is there. So feel free to connect with me there. Feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. If you reach out to me on Facebook, please just let me know you heard me on a podcast. I I typically don't accept a ton of friend requests mm-hmm. from people I don't know. Thanks a lot, Family First Life. But anyhow, you know, <laughs> we yeah. get hammered with this stuff all the time with people trying to sell us leads and everything. But I'm an open connector, man. I'm happy to share what I do professionally. I'm happy to share what I do personally. I think it's important that people see that you can have some level of success in the industry, but also get it right at home, which is why I don't mind connecting people on Facebook either. Appreciate you. David, when I grow up, man, I want to be like you. I appreciate you. You're doing (laughs) just fine. All right. Thanks, brother.